When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Good morning. This is a public service announcement for Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Jan Mitchell calling in to encourage you to join the Dumpty Dum Patreon team. For a small donation of $2 a show, you will get access to extra content like Royfield's fabulous interviews. Anya, who plays Alexi, of course, and Headley, who plays the mysteriously missing Kathy. Those interviews really enriched my enjoyment of The Archers. And I'm really looking forward to the next one with Becky Wright, who played Nick Grundy. Please consider supporting our wonderful Dumpty Dum creative team. You won't be disappointed. Oh, and by the way, no one asked me to do this. This is all on me. Bye, everybody. Hi, Dumpty Dum. Catherine from Strawberry Hill. I've got a teenager revising for exams. She asked this morning if I could bring her to the gym. We want mm-hmm. to support this exercise while revision is going on. So I've got precisely 30 seconds, having done my workout, to record a Dumpty Dum before she comes out. If she hears me doing this, it will only confirm what she suspects, that her mother is completely mad. This week's Dumpty Dum is brought to you by the kind donation of Sally D, who would like to make you aware of the good work of the Samaritans. The Samaritans is a charity aimed at providing emotional support to anyone in emotional distress, struggling to cope or at risk of suicide throughout the United Kingdom. Pay them a visit at www.samaritans.org. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that is centred on average in the heart of the Midlands. I am the well-rehearsed, confidence-inspiring candidate that is Robert Wilson, and with me I have the pig-shit-spattered candidate in overalls that is... And the last part of Jazz's career progression, folks, is you. God help us all. This week's Dumpty Dum is from Catherine Chevalier. I've been looking forward to saying Chevalier. Don't think she's related to Maurice, judging by that. But uh, but lovely, nevertheless. Lucy, if someone else wants to send us a Dumpty Dum, how can they do that? Uh, if you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum, leave us a plot prediction or tell Sheila Dillon her programme is a load of shite, then call us on 0203 <laughs> 0313 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. 
Thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and for doing the Dumpty Dogs. Shambridge for her voices. Isabella McCurdy for helping Royfield. Mike Hatton for his character counts. And to Derek, thrown in the back bedroom. Uh, Derek is keenly waiting to hear the name William and Catherine have picked for their new baby. Um, mm-hmm. He's hoping for a traditional name in line with Windsor family ancestry. So he's gone for Johann Gunther von Sigismund. <laughs> That's a shoo-in. <laughs> On this week's episode, we hear views from Witherspoon. Yay. Claire from Clapham, Steve, and New York, Nigel. But first, before the calls, let's brace ourselves for Lucy V. Freeman's Week in Ambridge. We began the week with Ed and Emma taking their children to one of their theme parks. Not to be outdone, William took his children to the Green Burial Ground, which he has renamed the Grundy World of the Dead. No wonder Joe's giving him a wide berth. Alistair clambered out from under Jimmy's piano to go and paint the women's changing rooms. He was secretly determined to scrawl, I hate Shula Hebden Lloyd, but he ran out of paint and wished he'd married someone with a shorter surname. Dan Dan, the army man, came home to give Alistair moral support and accidentally find out that his dad's a gambling ne'er-do-well and his mum's a slapper. Well, actually not the latter, as the only people that know that bit have conveniently gone mute, which is quite annoying. All this news came courtesy of confidential Kenton and his bloody megaphone, delighted to be able to ruin someone else's reputation for a change. Kate did a Mother Earth ritual to aid Adam in his bid for fatherhood. A brand new life is just what we need in this family, said Kate. And it makes such a lovely change that it hasn't sprung from dad's salt and pepper loins. <laughs> she then suggested to Adam that now he was at the helm of the somewhat leaky home farm ship, they could give up the livestock side. And indeed, the farming side. And concentrate <laughs> on the essentials, lavender oil and breathy panpipe music. Justin was impressed by Neil's newfound gravitas as a manager. Susan had given Neil a new tie and one of those executive toys. But to be honest, Susan has always been able to make Neil's balls clack together. (laughs) They held the interviews for King of the Pigs. Uh, Jazza did not get the job, but that was all right. As it transpired, it was all a cunning ruse to get him to wring another two pounds an hour out of Tom. The best candidate appears to be a woman. Oh, said Brian, then hurriedly recollected himself and said, oh, that'll get you brownie points. Oh, Brian, does the great feminist conspiracy now include the bloody brownies, you mad old man? <laughs> Brian has now moved into the ball along with Shula and is currently sleeping under table six in the restaurant. I do admire how you're handling this, Brian, said Justin, lurking in the pub, getting pissed and disinheriting your family. Now, I'm hoping they'll take this the right way, said Brian. There is no link at all between the fact that the family members that voted for me get 60 bajillion pounds each and the ones that voted against me, entirely coincidentally, get no money at all, but they do get part shares in a culvert breeding programme. <laughs> odd feature this week. Everyone kept pronouncing things in a strangely French way. Inexplicably not Welsh Alwyn was banging on about getting a dog from a refuge. Why didn't she go and live in a refuge instead of living in her car? And Helen talked about the provenance of her flipping cheese. I thought it was a load of merde, personally. <laughs> Uh, Over at Bridge Farm, Helen was getting irritated with inexplicably not Welsh Alwyn. She treats this place like a hotel, said Helen. I'll have the soup for starter, Mum, and then the moussaka and a bottle of water from the minibar. (laughs) Inexplicably non-Welsh Alwyn, meanwhile, was perched on the edge of the bog upstairs, wondering why no one at Bridge Farm ever commented on the overwhelming punk from the reed bed sewage system and the entirely ineffectual homeopathic loo cleaner cutting her toenails in the bath with Tony's hedge loppers. 
Olwyn's immune system is apparently compromised, which is the only part of Olwyn capable of compromise. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Sheila Dillon from the food programme popped up, which is very exciting. Next week, Mariella Frostrup helps Bert dig over his asparagus beds. <laughs> and in the weirdest segment of the week, Linda has been reviewing dogs' asses. I have to find a dog that looks good from the back, she said. After all, that's the part you most of as they frantically try and run away from me. She shouldn't be allowed to have any more pets. She's got two neurotic llamas and even scruffed for himself in the river to get away from her. After a 10-minute conversation with her, even Olwyn took fright and cleared off. Pat was gutted, but Helen didn't give a shih tzu. The end. <laughs> bravo, bravo. I did notice there were a couple of pauses there where you knew I was going. <laughs> the, ball, the ball clacking. From, from, from. <laughs> I know my audience, Robert. Oh, you do indeed, and you know I have a. I, I'm 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 one for visual comedy as well. Yeah. <laughs> it is as catnip to you. Oh God, why is my imagination so vivid? Oh, <laughs> thanks for that. That was wonderful. How are you anyway? I'm all right, thank you. Yes, I'm very Good. well. Very well. Good. I've got a, a, a few points to raise, and and one of them is that last point, or mm. one of the last points you made, which was. I actually agree with Linda for once in the last eight months or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Don't you know those dogs with the raised tails and yeah, and you can, it's just really off-putting, isn't it? <laughs> the old <laughs> bronze eye you staring bet. back at you. But you don't. I mean, unless you're at eye level with the damn thing. I mean, the idea when you're on a walk with a dog is that you're walking. You're not crawling along on all fours behind it, unless something's gone seriously awry. I suppose that's true. I mean, but. It, you take it on a lead and it walks to heel, then you won't see its backside, will you? But I guess if it, if you've got one of those extendable leads, it keeps yeah, running I'm off. I'm disappointed in Linda because I thought she'd be all for just getting a dog from a refuge. And, yeah. Um, you know, sort of um, giving a, giving it a new lease of life and, you know, like Scruff she did, didn't she? Yeah. And Scruff wasn't uh, Scruff wasn't a pedigree, was he? he no, Scruff was Shula's scrappy old mongrel. I don't know where he came from. I can't remember. Mm. Well, I, th- I think she'll end up getting one from a referee. Ref- I can't even say a it now. Refuge. From a dog's home. From Battersea <laughs> Dog's Home. That's well, easier to so. say. That seems more yeah. linderish to me. Mind you, she hasn't got a lot to do at the moment, has she? So she always turns most bonkers when she's a little bit bored. And she probably needs something to stroke and groom, doesn't she? Yeah, other than Robert. She awards well. herself sort of projects when she's a bit bored. Doesn't she? Mm. Yeah, takes them wildly yeah. too seriously and all that. Uh, is she, and, and, and last week, you chaps mentioned the stuff coming up, the produce yeah. uh, show, and the fate. Is is she still doing the fate? Or not? I can't remember. It's kind of. Uh, well, I mean, last year we had that ridiculous business with Fallon saying she'd do it, and then saying, "Oh, I can't do it," and then saying to Linda, "Please, will you do it?" And Linda saying, "No, it's all right. You're doing a good job. You carry on doing it." And the whole thing got unspeakably frustrating and dull so probably hopefully we won't have more of the same and whoever takes charge of it will just do the damn thing or ideally we won't have one at all that would be nice yeah let's not bother because it's i I can barely stand i mean at the moment there's a lot of tension in in knowing what's going to happen and what is brian doing what was brian doing on his laptop and talking to justin about i mean someone had a really good idea on twitter about that and i thought oh my god the devious b oh i saw that um and I didn't, I didn't write it down because I couldn't, uh, couldn't find it again. But where they said he's going to separate off the land from the farm. Yeah, and he's going yeah. to leave the land to Rory. Yeah. But the business, the failing yes. business, to the rest <laughs> of the farm. Like, you devious little 
Ooh. When um, and I thought that's exactly what he's going to do, isn't it? When um, uh, Simon and I used to play Grand Theft Auto together, have you ever played Grand Theft Auto? I have. I pay- played the one that's in Los Angeles, the San Francisco, Los yeah. Angeles one. And you, if for anyone that hasn't played it, then it's a it's a PlayStation game. And you 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 as you imprint, you steal cars and you drive around in cars. And mm. um, and what he used to do, or what I used to do, was he'd get a really nice car and he'd be zooming along in this Maserati. He'd go to the pass me the controls, go to the loo, come back. And I'd hand hand him back a burning bus on fire in the middle of the road where I'd trashed it completely and hijacked the wrong thing and then burnt it to the ground. And that's in effect what Brian's done. He's handing yeah. them back a burning bus, hasn't he? He's just gone, yep. Yeah. Sorry. There you go. Anyway, you wanted it. Here you go. Best Here of British. It is. Bye. Good luck. Bye. Speaking of Grand Theft Auto, did you see that other thing on Twitter? Someone had a, a T-shirt that said, in, in the same Logan, in the same typeface, Grand Theft Ambridge. Ambridge. Yes, I did. I, did. I want one of those. <laughs> I'd, I'd pay good money for that. <laughs> and I wouldn't use Patreon money either. I, it would be my own. <laughs> stolen. Well, I might have stolen it from the church collection. Who knows? <laughs> that was really good. The Grundies are worrying me because they're... Mm-hmm. Not, not for their own sake, but for mine, because they were always light relief. And I can't remember whether we've touched on this before, but... I'm missing that light relief. And mm. the even more disturbing thing is that the, the Eddie is the most sensible among yeah. them. He's been a real rock yeah. in many ways. Yeah. And even what he was saying to, to Clary about, no, I know, I know how Jake is feeling. Mm. Jake, yeah. who we suddenly heard speak for the first time this week, um, yeah. and Andrew. Who sounds actually much nicer than Will? I'd rather swap Andrew in and let's get rid of Will. Um, Absolutely. Uh, you know, he said because that happened to me that I was that I was Jake and I was that child. But what Will is doing is just disastrous. I mean, it's just terrible. I know that you shouldn't. Um, you know, you should obviously talk about the the person that isn't there anymore, the dead person, as much as, as you can, and make them part of you know, everyday life, but the child actually has to understand, especially little ones, yeah. where they are and that they are, are they physically there? You know, because he's taking them saying, go and see Nick. And you think, no, you go and see Nick's grave. That's different. But yeah. to a little one, it's right. She's still there. You know, it's very, very baffling and, you know, upsetting, I think. Oh, God. I, I know. know it's, I know it's made up, but. I know. Is there any oh, pretend? <laughs> yes, but it's oh, it's it's. I know. I mean, there at least there is some light relief coming in now, but um, for a couple of weeks or even a couple of months, I mean, I found I found the Robin Helen story easier to deal with than than what's going on at the moment because really because well because there was no room for anything else mm. when Robin Helen was about it was just mm. Robin Helen. I think you you and Roy for the point of that as that out as well, um, but with this, there's just so many different. Buses about to crash. If yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. For so many yeah. different families, and you it's think so hard for Emma. It's. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, on the good side, uh, Will and Ed are actually getting on well together. Yeah, which is you know unheard of. Um, so that's the only positive, really, isn't it? When I say you know <laughs> lots of good things, <laughs> I meant that one thing. Um, but yeah, in terms of Emma, it's so difficult for her. The poor children, um, you know, Will is never going to be able to go back to work and concentrate while no. he's, you know, so 
and, and he's just so apparent. He takes offense when there is none there. You know, as soon as he said, oh, Jake was a bit, what's he been saying? You know, straight away. And it's just, oh, for God's just calm down. He's like that really twitchy bloke in the pub sort of thing who, you know, everyone's forever trying to, no, 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 he didn't mean that. He didn't mean that, you know, forever trying to pacify him because you don't know where he's going to go off next. And what worries me is that Ed, you know, has got access to firearms, which is not great for a man in his state, really. They're not going to do that again, are they? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Can we just stop now? I'm just... uh, (laughs) (laughs) You want to just stick your fingers in your ears for a minute? La, 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 la. Think about Linda looking at dog's bottoms. (laughs) And Neil, yes, thank you for that image. I was Neil just playing with his clackers in the. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, Alwyn, Alwyn, um, I think I quite liked Alwyn. I'm being controversial <laughs> in that. I mean, it's just she was light relief, irritating light relief, but yeah, light yeah. relief nonetheless. Yeah, uh, and she can't have just disappeared forever, can she? They, they wouldn't I have just given her two she... days in the studio. I love the, <laughs> she... the off. <laughs> I love the way she rubbed Helen up the wrong way, though, because she, she was like Helen met herself coming back, didn't she? <laughs> <It> was, yep. <laughs> as judgmental as Helen and has as many opinions and is as keen to tell people where exactly where they're going wrong, you know, whether they want to hear or not. It's just great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do hope she comes back. I did have a fear that she'd be found... You know, passed Deadly away in, car. in, in mm. the back of her car, but yeah. um, I don't think that's going to happen. No, but you're right. She does sound like she's. What's the phrase you used last week? The end bed of a TB ward. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but she stopped coughing now, hasn't she? Oh, do you think she, it was it was all malingering? Oh no, 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 no. I think it was, and I think she's probably just keeping warm and having lots and lots and lots of vegetable soup and leeks endlessly, leeks for breakfast and leeks for supper. <laughs> Um, that's done it. So she's now all better, which is why mm. Helen is very much hoping that she'll sod off again. <laughs> now, Sheila Dillon. Yes. Surely she doesn't turn up on her own to judge these things. I mean, it's, oh. it's rife for corruption for a start. <laughs> are you suggesting that members of the BBC hierarchy are open to... Um, bright? If they were, we, we'd have thought of that years ago, Robert. Um, have you not heard of the payola scandal? <laughs> That's one for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, that whole episode was just pointless. It really was. What's the point? And the poor woman, you know, she was on air for about two and a half minutes and all she did was have a, have a brisk row with Olwyn and then leave. <laughs> that was well, it. You know, well, oh. well, you know, we've had, we've had sport relief. It's, it's the food and yes. farm produce thing. What, what's coming next? I don't know. But I'm oh, fed up with it, whatever it is. Yeah. Comic sport relief. relief, sepsis. <sighs> Food um, uh, and not a mention of the Commonwealth Games. No, or a royal baby. Do you think they'll? Do you think they'll shoehorn a royal baby in? Well, they'll have to because all the um, Grundy children are named after royal babies, aren't they? We haven't had a Charlotte yet. So oh, are they? Charlotte okay. and uh, and uh, and whatever this one is. Arthur. Oh, I hope, I hope they Arthur. Arthur. Arthur Grundy. That sounds quite yeah. nice. Well, it does actually. Hmm. I like the older names. Yes. Oh, right. What? <laughs> my my favourite line of this week was uh, when Dan was talking to Alistair. Oh, about the gambling. I know, yeah. And, and, and he said, the gambling, yeah. And Dan said, 
Did she drive you to it? <laughs> I laughed out loud. Is it now I've got the bus? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, Betfred's only, only two miles <laughs> up the road. Yeah, online now. It's oh, fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> What all, what else caught your attention? But this poor week? Dan, though, he told, he just sounded completely lost, didn't he? He was like he started pulling on. He came marching back in, full of self righteous mm. indignation. And within about half an hour, he's sitting there with his head in his hands, rocking in the fetal position as his entire childhood unravelled in front of him. First of all, she says, "Oh, I only I only married Alistair to give you a dad." No, 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 not mm. really. Which was really unconvincing. I didn't when I said that. I didn't mean it. What did you mean no. then? Well, never mind that. But anyway, I just didn't mean that. And um, you know, and then and then his dad, who so he decides that his mother, who he's hero worshipped as you know the Madonna, is um, uh, is turns out to be a little bit selfish, and uh, so that's shattered that. And then uh, and then he finds out that his dad, who's like, right, okay, that's fine. I'll just abandon her. Then I'll switch everything to my dad. What do you mean he's an inveterate gambler? <laughs> and then. <laughs> I think, you know, Kenton was making a push for adoption there, as you know, I'm for once Kenton was like the, you know, the glowing <laughs> glowing holy light of the family. Uh, yeah, you don't Kenton is not your first stop for marriage <laughs> advice or just life skills, really. <laughs> and I compare myself to Kenton. <laughs> More or less. <laughs> By the way, I do want Jazza to be my union rep because if he swung that extra two quid an hour, I mean that's eighty quid a that's eighty quid a week. That's that's nothing to be sniffed at. Is it eighty quid a week? I was trying to work it out. Oh, yeah. Two quid an hour yeah, yeah, is yeah. eighty quid. Yeah. If that's what if that's what he's been offered, if, you know. But I did think though it's so typical of Tom that he said, "Well, if I give you a pay rise, then you're going to have to have do more." And I thought, no. That's a different job on a different yeah. pay grade. Yeah. What he's saying is he wants a rise in wages to cope with the rising cost of living, mm. not just, you know, more money. It's just they have no idea. They talk continually, that family, about, you know, the struggle and how hard it is to, to um, you know, farm organically. And, and, and I'm sure it is, you know, how much it costs and everything. And then when... Yeah, people, so why bother? Stop yeah. it. <laughs> Put loads of fertiliser on and shut them... <laughs> Put it away. And then, and then um, you know, and they're supposed to be all sort of um, hippy-dippy and lovely, but then the way they treat their staff is shocking, really. Yeah, well, that, that's what ideology does. Mm. Yeah, it's sort of this... That's all I'm saying. <laughs> just very um, no. uh, holier-than-thou holier attitude. But actually, the archers are much better employers. Yeah. Than, um, the, yeah. I mean, the Brookfield archers are. Yeah. You know. They've looked after their retainers and Eddie and they felt really bad about not being able to give the Grundies work because of RBI. Remember RBI, folks? Hmm. Um, What wonderful times they were. (laughs) Gosh, we've waffled on a bit. It's about time we... Was was it as good as Route A? That all seems like a very long time ago, doesn't it? You know what? I was out for a bike ride the other day, and there were signs up saying, we do not want an expressway here uh, in the countryside. And I thought, Christ, remember Route A and B? Whatever happened to that? Yeah. Yep. Well, I, for for one, want them to change their mind and plough it straight through the middle of Brookfield again and maybe (laughs) take a brief arm on the way just to, to stir things up. 
<laughs> and he rode up. Who's first on the caller list? I don't know. You can choose. Okay. I wish you'd both stop asking me. I can't see the bloody list. It's a rhetorical question. Oh. Hello, Ambridge3962. Anyway, it's Witherspoon. Greetings, Lucy, Royfield, Robert, Millieville, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. Now, I was going to take the week off and relax, but Millibel just posed a very interesting question on Facebook that requires a rather extended answer. The question was, would Jake be better off with his dad? Now, many people took the opportunity to suggest that Jake run for the hills and straight to Andrew's house. I'll let Millie Bell expand on those, but I'll answer the question now with a series of additional queries. There's so much we don't know about the relationship between Jake and Andrew and the relationship between Jake and Will. Thank you, scriptwriters, for that black hole. Were any legal guidelines set up? Are we talking permanently, temporarily, or part-time? Who does Jake identify as his dad rather than his biological father? How much time did he spend with Andrew in the past? How connected is he with his sister, half-sister, and stepbrother, even if they are fighting right now? Is it fair to remove him from them and the extended family? He may view that as a punishment, and he would be mourning his mother in isolation. What about school and his friends? There are many issues to consider, but I do think it's best that Will and the kids get back to their house and that Will talk to someone such as Alan, even if Will isn't a church-going sort of guy. He certainly isn't the therapist-going sort of guy either. I know it's easy to kick Will at all times, but this was not an easy question that Millie Bell posed ahead of what will be the new focus of conflict for the Grundy family. I'll let you all discuss. Talk to you all soon. Well, quite a few points to cover there. Gosh, um, I don't know. I feel supremely unqualified to answer any of those questions. Well, so do I, because I don't know legally what the position is. Because surely if, uh, as far as I knew, no, the the blood relative mm-hmm. wins out in any sort of custody battle. Sorry, not custody battle. In any sort of situation where the parents have split up, have, yeah. have died, one parent died, then the children go to the, they don't go to the person that's looked after them most. They go to the person who has most claim on them, which is a blood relative, which in this case would be Andrew. Um, and that Were they ever married? Were, were Nick and Andrew ever married? Yes, I'm fairly okay. sure, yes. Because if they weren't married, then it then it goes yeah, to that's true. the it mother. The mother? No, I th- no, I think it then goes to the the parents of of Nick, or is that American law? Oh gosh, I don't see. Know. This is why I'm supremely yes, unqualified. We need, we need Miss Mid City. Can you please get in touch and explain this to us because we're very yes. confused and we can't Definitely. make any sensible comments just for a change until we find out. So ring us. Thank you. But but. The only thing I can say is that it is a very tricky situation, and I really hadn't looked into it quite that deeply, and I'm going to be ruminating on that for Mm. the rest of this week. But from what I can tell from the script, from the show, it's what Jake wants. He wants to be away Mm. and and be able to breathe on his own. Yeah, if the choice is go and sit on your mother's grave, I mean, for God's sake. Hmm. 
And also have to share your share a confined space with another boy of exactly your age, you know, who patently doesn't like you and doesn't want you there. You know, it's it's just horrible. Yeah, and I can understand why why Will wants to be in contact with him, but he should really just leave the channels of communication Mm. open for when Jake wants to contact him. I mean, even when there's nothing like that going on. I mean. If you pester your children, text your children all all day asking what's going on, they go, oh, mum, oh, leave yeah. me alone. Oh, yeah. Especially at that age. Yeah, so yeah. He's going to feel yeah. like he wants to retreat into his shell even further, yeah. I would have. Yeah. Oh, God, it's a really horrible situation, isn't it? I know, it? it's really awful. Really awful. Oh, gosh. Uh, thanks, archers. <laughs> right, let's hear from Claire from Clapham. Hi, Dumpty Dum. Claire from Clapham here. Uh, just wanted to celebrate two things that cheered me up no end this week. Firstly, uh, Jazza, of course, who's just yeah. brilliant. I wish we had more Jazza. Um, the way he played that, uh, applying for the job uh, and used it to get more money out of Tom. I mean, Jazza, I applaud you. You're a genius. Uh, if you're so canny... How come you're still sharing a house with some old guy and not, like, you know, making it big? That's the only thing that doesn't sit right with me on that. Anyway, but uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, The other thing that cheered me up was just feeling very able to really dislike Helen again. I mean, I never really liked Helen. And then she went all through that stuff with Rob, and I felt sorry for her, and we all had a lot of sympathy for Helen. Uh, And now she just seems to have completely returned to the dreary critical oh I don't know just difficult person that she always was um which is a bit weird that you would recover so quickly and get your old personality back and it wasn't a personality I was desperately keen to see again but you know there's something that's right with the world and I can just feel like oh god Helen what an idiot anyway um so that was that was a cheerful thing in terms of plot predictions I I like to think that's hopefully the last we've heard of Alwyn. I don't know. I don't, I don't see it being a very long-term thing unless we've got something else to learn about sort of Pat's inability to draw sensible boundaries with charity cases. Uh, and I very much enjoy Alwyn making her feel guilty for pocketing a million pounds to build some houses while simultaneously pretending to have a care about homeless people, which is a point I've made a number of times. Go Alwyn. <laughs> Anywho... Uh, keep up the good work. <laughs> Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Yeah, Jazz's interview I thought was spectacular. I loved it when he said, what was your biggest challenge? And he said, yes. choosing between whiskey and women. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, I, I, I've had to do interviews and conduct them. Mm. And by far, that is not the worst interview I've ever <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I did one. I, I I'll name no names or uh, any no, no no venues, but um, I had an interview in which one woman cried solidly for thirty minutes in the interview. <laughs> and what do you do? You can't say, "Oh, thanks very much." Usher them out with a box of Kleenex. I mean, <laughs> Are you sure this is the right decision for you, madam? I, it was my mortifying. friend interviewed somebody who, and the candidate fell asleep during the interview. <laughs> that's one hell of a long introductory question isn't it <laughs> i thought that was quite impressive the thing is about 
The thing is about people going through, it's only on soap operas or American half hour series that Mm. somebody suffers a traumatic event and it results in a personality change. The vast majority of people go through a traumatic event or a, you know, um, some, some deep, profoundly changing experience and learn bugger all and <laughs> return exactly to the same state. In fact, that's how you know they're better when they start really annoying you again. Mm. <coughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> it's true. I guess, um, well, is that all went back again? I um I think what what these traumatic what these traumatic events do they either they either turn the volume down on your personality subdue it so much or they magnify it and I guess with Will it's magnifying it, it with, Helen, with Helen dimmed it slightly it, she's marginally yeah. less annoying but you know <clears throat> she is sanctuary. back on form yeah <coughs> you're all right oh, there yeah sorry that's I'm all drinking. right. Alternately, coffee and mineral water. And my esophagus seems to have got slightly confused as to which one I'm drinking, so it's decided to go (laughs) straight. Fair enough. Should we have the next caller in a while you uh, compose yourself? Let's play Steve now. All right, then. Here's Steve. Hi, Lucy, Royfield, Robert and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. Steve Parrott here. That's Steve underscore Parrot on Twitters. I'm dropping a short message to say thank you to the scriptwriters for introducing some light relief this week. A couple of items really made me smile. Firstly, Linda Snell and the rear view requirements of the dog, <laughs> plus a beautifully mannered but spiky interaction with Owen. Yeah. Secondly, Jazz's job interview scam. It was totally unlikely, of course, but it did contribute some much-needed humour to bring colour to the rest of the rather grim drama that's been going on in the last couple of months. That's it, just a short one. Thanks for the podcast. It brightens up my three-mile walk to work. <clears throat> oh, thank you. And you've brightened me up because you agree with me entirely. That my <laughs> two of my favourite parts of the show. I love Jazza, and I think... Do you, do you think Jazza deserves to get a, a young lady? Um, Should he start courting? Well, I'm not sure because I don't think he's really over Fallon yet, is he? Okay. Because he was really, really in love with her. He was, yeah. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it must be galling, particularly for Jazza to lose her, lose her to a policeman. <laughs> must uh, be yeah, very- and, and the way he handled that, too. He yeah. was was really magnanimous, wasn't yeah, he? It just goes to show that, you know, he may be a, a diamond in the rough, but he's certainly a diamond yeah. underneath that rough, yeah. if that makes any sense. Yes, no, absolutely. Um I think he's probably still got a few wild oats to sow before he um, he calms down. And we don't want to see him, you know, sort of shacking up with somebody and then it all goes wrong and, and horrible because we know he's a nice chap, really. So we'll just have to wait until he absolutely falls for somebody again. Um, I'm just hoping it's not one, it's not Violetta or the other one of Lexi's children because if those two get together, they'll be completely incomprehensible. So, um, oh, God. <laughs> They might be a little too young for him as well, don't you think? He's what? He's in his. He's about thirty-ish. No, is he? Well, he might. Well, <laughs> Fallon's knocking on the door of thirty, isn't she? Oh yeah. See, I still think of them as the younguns. You see, I forget that there's another load of younguns. Yeah, 
But like, now well, I'm at now where everybody to me appears to be about 12. Anybody in any position of authority I have vague distrust for because they look barely older than my children. So therefore, yes, I have reached the that shock. irritating age. Yeah, the shock moment came for me when I realised that the president of France is younger than me. <laughs> and I'm not talking about de Gaulle, you cheeky so-and-so. <laughs> But it's not He's like dead. you're ever going to be competing with the same for the same job with him or anything, is it? So you probably won't. No, not really, but you know, it's, it is a bit galling. And George Steve, Osborne's younger than me too. Ooh. Steve, I completely agree with you about that lovely exchange with Linda and Alwyn. When, yeah, um, you would. It was <laughs> it, it was just beautifully written that, and when. Um, when uh, uh, she said, "Oh, I have a I have a long list of criteria," and she said, "Yes, I'm sure you have." She said, <laughs> it was just yeah, really. That's why <laughs> you would, wouldn't you? Whatever. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was very, very good. I want a bit more of that. So bring Alwyn back. Go and find it, her. Yeah, back. just lovely, very English, very, very, as you said, mannered, um, but with a sort of savage. I've I've taken an instant dislike to you, and I'm going to let. That be made very clear. There's someone at my door, which I've got a horrible feeling is the plumber. So I may okay. have to pause this, go off and sort out the plumber and then come back again. Is that all right? right? That's perfectly fine. But let me see. I will wait until my son opens the door and shouts, Mom. Okay. Maybe not. Should we play New York Nigel while we're waiting? Let's, yes, let's do that. Hello, Dunty Dummers. New York Nigel here with something inspired by Debbie's Facebook post. Uh, certain stories uh, will stick in your mind after listening to The Archers for years. And OK, other stories are going to pass you by. It depends on where you are in your life. The lessons I learned from the story of Robin Hel- Helen, for instance, are going to stay in my mind. Probably won't remember the details. So I forget about four-fifths of the storylines, it's a professional hazard for someone who hears confessions. I I found that it's a good idea not to remember people's names. In the spirit of Debbie's post, here are two details of Shula's past that stick in my mind. When she was a nipper, she played fur on Phil's piano at Brookfield, and she played the piano badly. Even in 1976, that told me a lot. I was only 14. I was a gay teenage Archers fan, thought he could play Furley's himself. Shula's effort was memorably insincere. And secondly, when Alan's first wife died, Shula risked a lot to be the vicar's next wife. But the Mm. vicar married a Hindu. Shula freaked out. She was warden of the church, an important position. She left St. Stephen's, went to the cathedral instead, and Susan told the story to the press. Happened in the churchyard. She told the Borchester Echo that the warden left the church because the vicar married a Hindu. That's one of the reasons I think Shula and Susan are compromised characters. They inhabit the same place in my head. For them, reputation is more important than relationships. That's it for this week. Love the idea of an archer's archaeology thing. The plot planners have been so consistent over the years, whether or not they knew this was a story that would last forever. Signing off. Bye. Hmm. See, he's delved into history. He's absolutely right. Reputation over relationships. I completely agree. Definitely with Susan, and and now yes, I, I'm seeing it with Shula. Because yeah. Shula always was a bit of a cold fish, wasn't she? Yeah, but then and, Jill, and there is a little bit of Jill that is reputation over relationships. 
Yeah. Well, her first you've got to get concern it from was, what will this look like to the village? You know, and well, your first concern age... should be, is my child happy? Not, how will this reflect on me? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But she didn't realise her child wasn't happy before, so why why would she realise it yeah, after yeah. she'd been told she was yeah. separating? Yeah. yeah. No, but I think that was good advice. From from New York, Nigel. If if you're ever to uh, if you're ever to take a confession, just don't remember their name. <laughs> I mean, that's what that's what. Well, that's why. But that's why you do it in a little box with, yeah. a, with a. Have you ever been to confession? No, I know that Dumpty Dum is our own version of confession, but <laughs> no, I haven't. No, I haven't. So I don't know what it's like. I've, I've only seen it in the films. Yes, where you you knock on the thing and, and they slide the thing back and there's a grill. Yeah, you actually, I've seen it in Dave Allen. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I've seen it mostly in comedy sketches, not as or in, <laughs> yeah. or in vintage murder mysteries, where it's always, you know, the the, vic has to, the priest has to sort of wrestle with his conscience over whether or not he tells whoever it was something oblique that will say, well, I can't say who said it, but somebody might have said, da 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 da, da you know. Mm, yeah, so we don't know whether it actually happens like that or not. But I just Fair hope, because there is a chance here, having said all that, the people don't change after oh. traumatic things, but there is a ch- chance for Shula that she might actually become nicer once she stopped repressing all this stuff. I mean, even Clary mm. said she was buttoned up, and Clary never says anything yeah. nasty about anybody if she can help it, unless it's Susan. No. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't see how... I don't see how they're going to keep... Well, I guess you do get a lot of good dramatic conflict if you keep the two of them in yeah. Ambridge. But her business is Ambridge. I can't really see how it's not going to be. And so's his. Unless she just sells well, they're, they're definitely going to stay. But I, I, I think Alistair should definitely follow Jazz's advice and get himself uh, back back in the game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. And, you know, he's a and, nice chap. Admittedly, yeah. he's a gambling addict. He's a nice chap. He's solvent. He's kind. He's, you know, um, he's got a nice attitude to women. There's nothing weird about him. You know, he's a, he's, a, he's a decent bloke. And I think, you know, I think like Jazza said, actually, a lot there are women that would find him very attractive. Yeah, yeah. There are, there are too many long-term singletons yeah. in the arches, I think. Yeah. And you can't leave. You can't leave these two. Shula's definitely. I think Shula is. A, I would have thought Shula would have been a monkey. You know, someone that doesn't let go of one branch until mm. you have a firm grasp on the next one. But she's always. So that, that she's always done that. This is why this is such a big departure for her, and why everyone's going. But why are you doing it? Why now? Why are you doing it? Why now? And she can't really explain other than she just has to. Yeah. Good for her. Fair much enough. As much as I dislike her, good for her, I see. Yeah. Dislike uh, the way she's doing it, though. Yeah. Because I think Dan is definitely right that she's being cruel and cold. Yes. and yeah. She's being cowardly. Maybe she... She's being... Yes, she's protecting herself yeah. from admitting that this yeah. is a really tough thing to do. And, that she's and it's not only tough for her, but it's tough for him. Yeah, and also women are trained. I know it sounds like I'm ranting again, but women are trained not to put themselves first. There always has to be a reason. You can't just go because I've had enough. You know, it has to be all because blah, 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 you know, rather than just saying because I want to. Men find it much, much easier to say because I want to. 
and women will say, well, I have really? to because blah, blah, blah. Mm. Gosh. You know, there's something of that. It's not quite related to that, but something we've been discussing at work is we people who call our office, if 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 it's a woman calling from another office, they'll say, can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. I've got a question for you. Mm. Whereas if a man's calling, generally they'll just launch into a question. Yeah. And is it that the similar kind of thing that you have yeah. to justify? Yeah. Why you're calling? Women will when... tend to to as well. There's got, we do, I've just been doing some research on this because of some training I've been doing with teaching women how to be more assertive and how they speak. And women mm. tend to say things like, um, "Sorry, I'm sure I'm sure you've thought of this, but just in case you haven't." blah, 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 mm. and then tell you the vital bit of information you know, you don't, you, you, you need to know. And you sort of think you don't need to couch it like that. Just tell me, you know, because yeah. they're so terrified of, uh, you know, getting it wrong or offending. Whereas men will quite happily tell you what is bloody obvious that you already know. <laughs> They'll tell you anyway. <laughs> um, but it's, women tend to obfuscate before they come out with a direct sentence. They find it very difficult to just say the one sentence without a bit of build up and a bit of come down at the end as well to put it in a context of sorry to bother you. Okay, so how do you think I should? How do you think I should deal with that at work? Do you think I should say, "Well, there's no need to do that." That's patronising, though, isn't it? Because it is a bit annoying. That, um, in twenty years' time, hopefully, women won't be talking like that. But at the moment, you're stuck with That it. might be a bit late for me. I'll be, re- I'll be retired by then. <laughs> I'll be 67. Crikey, thanks for cheering me up. <laughs> I think I'll make a good 67-year-old. Of course you will. Were you choking on something then? No, I wasn't. I was, I was nodding in agreement. Yes, nodding. Fine. Okay, fine. Right. Right, that is it for the calls. Uh, time to take a little break with the advertisements. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And welcome to The Things That Made England. I'm Roy Brown, and with me I have... David Crowther of The History of England. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. 
she was the people's princess. To fight on the beaches. Oh wait, man, these are the things that made England. To fight on the landing ground. These are the things that made I England. I have a body, but of a weak and evil woman. These are the things that made England. And a king of England, too. These are the things that made England. Cry God for Harry! And these are the things that made England. England! And St. George! These are the things that made England. It gives wind in Churchill sails to say we can continue to fight on. Well, there cannot be many more famous events in English history than 1066. It hurts, (laughs) even now. Because 1066 is important. Yeah. But... There's aspects of modern British culture which I think get overlooked. So I'm proposing that this week we do Scar. For me, the English flag has in the past certainly become associated with factionalism and, well, hideous racist and far-right views. And it's turned into a thing of disunity and almost xenophobia. The idea of this show is to decide on what things that make England... As she is, the country that, despite it all, we feel lucky to be part of. Every week, one of us, that's David and I, will pitch an idea to the other to be designated as one of the things that makes England distinctive. Go and join our shiny new Facebook site where once a month we will post a poll where, should you so desire, you can make your own very suggestions for applications to the I Made England Award. So, without more ado, let's do it. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. She was the people's princess. To fight on the beaches. Oh wait, man, these are the things that made England. To fight on the landing ground. These are the things that made I England. I have a body, but of a weak and evil woman. These are the things that made England. And a king of England, too. These are the things that made England. Cry God for Harry! And these are the things that made England. England! And St. George! If you're listening to this podcast, you're most probably listening through a pair of headphones, which means I have the perfect sponsor with the perfect product for you. It's Studio, and they want to revolutionize the way people see headphones. Generally, fashionable headphones tend to lack the proper sound quality, and the high-tech ones are bulky and not design-orientated. Studio bridges that gap while emphasizing sleek, modern Scandinavian design. To get a 15% discount on any of their wares, go to studiosweden.com, which is spelled S-U-D-I-O Sweden.com, and simply put in the code DTD when purchasing a pair of headphones. Hi, this is Lucy, and you're listening to Walkie Talkie. Every day, I walk my dog in and around Epping Forest, and there's a regular group of dog walkers that uh, catch up with each other, and... The group of us, you know, we're from all kinds of different backgrounds. The one thing we have in common is that we all have dogs, obviously. And I sort of came up with the idea of recording these conversations because there's something quite confessional about walking side by side with somebody. There's no eye contact. You can just plod along. You know the names of their dog. You quite often don't know their name. You definitely don't know their surname. And uh, it's just a very odd little hour out of the day and you can get some really startling insights into people's lives because they know that you don't have a relationship with them outside of the dog and also if things get a bit you know emotional or a bit too close you can distract yourself with whatever the dog's doing or you get quite close to people in a remote way it's an intriguing sort of mixture with people's permission obviously I started recording some of the conversations 
and it sort of grew and now people ask if they can come on the walk even though they don't have a dog because I think they just like the space to talk so this is walkie talkie I hope you enjoy it and I'll see you in the forest And now let's sit back for some forum fun with our social media specialist, Ms Millie of the Bells. Good day, everyone. Well, a nice busy day, a week on the forum. Uh, Friedel Woman has started a thread called Will Needs Grief Counselling. Yorkshire Lass wants to know what Alice has done. Daniel Cohen, what, where were you when? And Miss Mid-City would like to talk about the right to be heard, while Stephanie Powell would like to talk about Brian and the business. So if you'd like to get involved, you know what to do dumptydum.com forward slash forums. So busy on Facebook this week as well, but then, of course, there was a lot happening on our favourite docudrama. So we discussed the fact that there was something financially radical and Justin agrees, and I wondered what that could be. Well, you had so many good ideas. Karen Cunningham said the farmhouse is going, going, gone. I remember that when Justin moved to Ambridge, he had his BDI on it, predicting that Jenny will take a sledgehammer to the kitchen as she exits, along with her Le Creuset stage left. Uh, Laura Jackson said he's hiding assets so that when he has to pay for the clean-up and declare bankruptcy, he has a secret stash to leave to Rory. Janet Holt said, I think the livestock will go, following Kate's suggestion to Adam last night, sell it all and jump on the Kate's vegan bus. And Carla de Conquer, oh sorry, Carla, I've got your name wrong. Brian's going to open a brothel. He's got the know-how, he's got the experience, he's got the contacts. He's putting his daughter Kate in charge of it as a madam and telling her it is a massage and leisure workers retreat. Oh look, that's hilarious. I'm so sorry I got your name wrong. I feel terrible. Uh, We also talked about Pat's guest. I loved how judgy she was with Linda, but then when she got judgy with Pat, I didn't like it so much, so I just wondered on your thoughts. And I didn't like it with Pat because she was a guest. Jessica Dysel said she's abrasive and generally unpleasant. I can't understand why Pat is trying so hard, unless she just wants a special friend all of her own. Side note, growing up, we were taught to be polite guests. We had to at least offer to help with the cleaning. Terry Woodroff said the thing that I absolutely agreed with, and he went, ew, them toenails in the tub, though. Oh, that was so horrible. Martin Van Den Heuvel said she's a more aggressive version of Petula from Dinner Ladies. As a guest, she should never slam the door in such a rude way. And Leslie Greaves said, I didn't think anybody could be more of a self-righteous prig than Pat, but I was wrong. Lots and lots like that in that vein, so please go and join in that thread. Um, We wondered, Linda or Alwyn's approach to finding a dumpty dog for your family? Arden House B&B said, I absolutely loved Linda's criteria for a nice rear view. It was one of my prerequisites too. Uh, Judith Lawrence said, I thought that some dogs and cats homes allowed you to have a, a trial period with a new pet from them, particularly if you already have pets. How else do you know that they will get on? And I know that they do, but of course this is here in Australia. And Sue England said, Linda's approach seems entirely out of character for her, given that she adopted Scruff from Shula and loved him unreservedly, despite him not being perfect or a smart pedigree or having undergone any selection process. Why would she not be a natural to want a rescue dog or at the very least be fairly certain that she would love any muscle pedigree pooch that adopted her and Robert? I absolutely agree. I thought it was very out of character too. 
and uh, a bit unusual that in that the uh, BBC has been promoting lots of social changes and uh, adopting from a rescue centre would to me fit nicely with that. Anyway, uh, we also talked about whether Jake would be better off with his dad. Janice Betson said yes, he and Mia should be with their father. In fact, I don't know why they haven't been handed back to them after their mother died. Obviously, he should have some contact with Poppy, but that could be taken care of by visits from time to time and phone, email and media contact when she's older. Fiona Griffin said Eddie was right. Neither Will nor Carrie were thinking of Jake's well-being. No doubt at the moment he's better off with Andrew. When are they going to get some bereavement counselling? And that is a very common theme. They are a lot of people talking about bereavement counselling, which is interesting because it's not such a culture here in Australia to have counselling. I know it's a huge uh, part of the culture in America, so it looks to me from the comments on here that the UK is somewhere in between. It, I, I think when somebody loses someone here in Australia, it's not usual to go to counselling. Um, I could be wrong, happy to be uh, to have that debate, but I don't know of anybody who's ever had counselling that I know of. Perhaps we just don't talk about it. And we also wonder whether Jazza was being sneaky smart or sneaky sneaky this week. Was it unethical to interview for a job that he had no interest in just to gain leverage in negotiating a pay raise? Um, I thought that what he did was just fine. He just shouldn't have told Neil. Now, there's I've run out of time and there's lots and lots on that thread. It's a great thread. So if you'd like to get involved, please go to Facebook and look up Dumpty Dum and we will all be there waiting to talk to you. So until next week, I say to you, hooroo. Thanks, Millie Bell. Lucy, would you like to hit us with some tweets of the week? Yes. Uh, Style in Wales said, Will Grundy's accent rises up the yokelometer when something doesn't go his way. (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) Paul Truman said... I'm astonished to hear a father isn't happy about his bereaved son being parented by a grieving arsehole with a raging temper and all the emotional warmth of an abandoned <laughs> fridge. Um, Starchers said it's Brian's de- <laughs> it's Brian's third day working on his laptop at the ball and he still can't figure out his iTunes account. <laughs> <laughs> Leonard Odyssean said. I probably said something I didn't ought to, but she's gone. Nick's gone. She's gone and she ain't coming back. I bought this little coffin toy for Jake. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And tweet of the week, which I loved. Will to Alistair. Do you know the Ambridge turn off? Alistair. Noah, I married her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a... That's a round of applause for yes. that one. That was very good. Very, 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 very good. Oh, sometimes the, I, I think that some of our listeners, our tweet along people, should be in comedy themselves. Yeah, I know. They really Absolutely should. Absolutely Mm. It's all right if you do one a week, but if you're going to write you know, four hours of comedy <laughs> or whatever a year, then that's a different matter. <laughs> Okay, right. Oh, we 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 should uh, plug our two events coming up. There's the live Dumpty Dum coming up, isn't there, Lucy? Yes, but we can't plug that because we've sold out. Okay, but they, we want them to listen to. Oh it, yes, but they I will. Anyway, so that'll be coming because it will be on at the same yeah. And we time, want them to be. We want them to be chomping at the bit for the next yes. one, I guess. And we have. Um, at the behest of a few people in the Oxford area, I have organised uh, a meet-up at the Marsh Harrier on Marsh Road 
at one o'clock on Saturday, the 28th of April. Apparently, there'll be lots of dogs coming. So I think I might have to buy a bag of Winnerlot or a, a, a quite a few Bonio biscuits. Either way, it should be a lot of fun. Now, remember, to get in contact... <laughs> what was that? A cross between Dumpty Dum and Crofts. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping for dogs with a pleasant rear view. Yes. Let's put it that way. Now, remember, to get in contact, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or call 0203-031-3105. That's 0203-031-3105 to leave a message. You can find Royfield and Lucy at Dumpty Dum. That's at Dumpty Dum. Lucy is at Lucy B. Freeman on Twitter, and I can be found at Naked Fingers. And that's about it. Thanks very much. Thank you. Now... Yeah, right. I, I better go. I've just got to cl- climb up on this tractor here, he said, uh, doing his audition. And, uh, <laughs> right, I'll see you later. Listeners, this is... You're not going to hit Matt. Listeners, somebody has been playing with the Radio Sound Archive. <laughs> which who might that be, do you think? <laughs> It's quite good, isn't it? Find one for me. Oh, you can. Oh, I have uh, okay, I can find one for my you. doorbell. I've got eight people coming for a meeting and the plumber. Oh, really? Yes, I need to go Crikey. and sort it all out. And I haven't fed anybody yet either. <laughs> anyway, I will go. Oh. I'm very jealous of your all chapter right, and I'd like one. Please, thank you. Well, this is for you. Is that a massive cock? Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know what you like. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.